You could stand at half cut and rep better than these guys. Oh, smart down, and it's called for another foul. Check, Taco. Come on. Taco's, Taco. Taco's having some fun here. And we are back with another episode of From the Rafter. Sam and I are here recording on Thursday, December 2nd, after some technical difficulties got us all screwed up before we got going. But Celtics played the 76ers last night as we were recording this. And let's just start there. I mean, Sam, you said it during the pregame show, and I'll let you back up those claims. So do you like what you see against the Sixers? Well, I, I said to you and Tim that I really thought they would come to play yesterday. And I think they gave a good effort. You know, defensively, they looked great. Horford, no surprise to me, was great on Embiid. You know what I mean? He, yeah. He's always been great on Embiid. I don't know why all of a sudden people think he can't play defense, especially with the season he's been having, blocking shots. He had five more of them last night, 10 <laughs> points, eight rebounds, just kind of doing everything for you, not sticking out too, too much. But defensively gave you a lot, obviously. Um, had a good possession on the final play of the game where he stayed in front of Harris, made him kick it out to Yang, who got blocked. But, yeah, I thought they would bring it. They brought it defensively. Offensively, uh, they weren't very good, and they really could have won that game by probably 20-plus points if they just put that together because, I mean, Philadelphia couldn't get anything going. They had so many stretches where both teams weren't scoring, and if they could have just executed a little bit offensively, they could have pulled away easily. They were up 16-4 to four to start, and then they all of a sudden forgot how to score. And they scored, what, 72 more points for the whole game after that? And that was very yeah. – that was before halfway through the first. Yeah, I loved Horford. I think, like you said, he did a great job on Embiid. Shout out to Ennis Cantor, too. He actually did pretty well on Embiid, which is freedom. very weird. I mean, Ennis Freedom. You're so right. Ennis Freedom. Have some respect. on the broadcast. <laughs> it was funny. Sta- standing ovation. Broadcast. For and his I mean, freedom in his debut. Electric. It was electric. You love to see it. Um no, yeah, Horford was great. He played great in the final possession, like you said, although I don't really know what, what Tobias Harris was planning on doing there. It was it's kind of a mess if you ask me. I mean, you've got five seconds left in the game and you're choosing to back up behind the three point line like that. That's a bit weird. Oh. Bit of a weird decision, but shout out Al for staying with him and hounding him. Shout out Rob for the block. Um that defensive combo, the double bigs lineup. I was doing some statistical research as I do today. And out of 1,085 two-man lineups that have played 100-plus minutes, they're top 15 in defensive rating. So, I mean, they've been incredible. Offense, you know, you could say maybe it's not the best combination. Maybe you want to sprinkle some Grant in there. But defensively, there's nothing for you to argue. Like, they're just they're the best defensive two-man group on the Celtics. And they're a big reason why the Celtics are been able to win all these games because of that defense. So shout out to them. You got to love Al. Uh, and after the game, he was talking about, you know, that pairing, how he and Robert Williams work well together because their ability to defend and switch, uh, et cetera. He said, Rob is a very smart player. He knows how to play, find his space on the court. Very easy to play with. Um, he didn't bash Philly. But I saw someone point out that he always talks really nice about Oklahoma City, but he never says anything about Philly. So that should, that's a. Well, of course he hates Philly. They (laughs) ran him out of town. They traded him to OKC. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, 
the fans were hard on him, rightfully so. I mean, they expected a lot, paid him a lot of money for four years. He didn't give him much. That team was bad. I mean, I don't think anybody's at fault, but I, if I, he should have never left the Celtics. That's on him. Yeah. <laughs> Even Emu Yudoka said, I don't think we used him properly about his like his time in Philly because obviously he was there for Al's year and with the Sixers. So, yeah, just, I mean, just a tough... Tough year in Philadelphia for Al Horford. I'm glad he's back. I mean, nobody better you'd want to throw out Embiid and Giannis. Uh, Embiid, did he get to the free throw line a lot? Didn't he take like 10 free throws last night too? I'm Probably pretty took sure like was... 12, 12-ish. Some of them were outrageous, the calls he got. I will say that. But it wasn't really crazy the whole game. There was only Not one or two that you were like, yeah, I thought it was going to be much worse than that. Um, He wasn't. That consistent from the free throw line, though, you know, like missed a couple, missed a big one in the fourth quarter. They were down one. He only made one of them. It was tied. And then after that, I'm not so sure they ever got the lead back. They definitely didn't because there was only five more points on their end. Yeah. So Al Hor- Horford was asked about his time in Philly. Um, it's a quote from Keith Smith on Twitter here. Al Horford on his difficult time in Philly, I said, I can either cave in or I can make the most of it. When I went to OKC, they put me in a place to succeed. They were great to me. Being back here, it's everything. It's a chance to play at a high level again. So, again, dodging the question because Al's not one to talk shit. But, I mean, he's happy to be back in Boston, and Boston is happy to have him back. I'll put it that way. So, shout out to that. Shout out to him. Yeah, I'm not sure um, anyone's happier to be back, have him back than him. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. one, it's well, an environment he likes. Maybe Anna's happier than he is. Well, maybe I and, am. Anna Horford loves Boston. I think you love Al Horford as well, but yes. yeah. I was, yeah, I was begging for that months before it happened. You were. You were. I, I, and I never shit no, on you, the idea. but You said you didn't know how realistic it was. Yeah, I mean, because that sort of thing rarely happens in the NBA. I mean, I'm glad it did, but in the grand scheme of things, you don't really see players come back, uh, at least of that caliber, making that much money. Uh, back. I but still hey, contend if he never out. left, they might have won the title in the bubble there. So You could argue. You could definitely make that argument. Um, but yeah, Sixers, Celtics, Celtics pulled one out, one point win. Offense still not looking good though, Sam. It's still not there. Well, you had a lot of bad turnovers yesterday. Like, like it was like you would look up and like, why did they just lose it? Like, it's not even like they were being forced <laughs> to turn it over. You know what I mean? Like, it would just be like, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, the ball would be going the other way. So that's something they need to iron out. It's really been the first game in a while where I remember them turning it over a whole lot. They shot all right from the field. They they took some threes towards the end that I didn't love. I I just think they they get two three happy. They they limited it pretty well though, and they I think they shot an alright percentage. Like last they shot really well from three. They only yeah. took twenty nine and they shot thirty nine percent. So that's about where they should be shooting. They really shouldn't be going over thirty three. I just think okay. there's too many there's too many guys on this team that can can't get shoot. to the basket, you know, what I mean? <laughs> and, and they shoot. can't shoot. Yeah, yeah. But the problem with them shooting is there are a lot of times where they, they're taking them like out of laziness instead mm-hmm. of working to get a better shot. They're chucking early in the shot clock. And it, I mean, it, I'm like a broken record saying this because I say it all the time, pregame, whatever. I mean, don't settle for these shots. I really don't want to see threes unless it's, you know, like seven seconds or less left in the clock, at least off the dribble. Catch and yeah, shoot's fine because somebody's creating that shot for somebody that's set. 
but Tatum and I mean Brown was bad yesterday. He looked like he was hurt. We can get into too, that, yeah. but he still looked, he wasn't making good decisions regardless if he was hurt or not. He was yeah. taking a lot of tough shots. That's not what you want to see when you know you're in a tight game against a team that's at the same level as you or maybe a little bit mm-hmm. above. I kind of think it's the same level. I, that's what we decided on before the, the season, and I'm sticking to it, especially after yesterday. And yeah. The Celtics didn't play well, and they still won. Neither did yeah. Philly. Philly had plenty of things going on, but I'd say Philly played bad because the Celtics played well on defense. That That's yeah, how yeah. I feel. Like Embiid, yeah, he was 3 of 17 they or 16, they but they – they took care of him. Like Horford had five blocks, not all of them on Embiid. He had two on Embiid, I believe. Cantor had one. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they emphasized on him, and nobody made them pay. Yeah, and I will say before we talk about Brown, because I did want to bring that up, uh, we were wrong yesterday, Sam. The guy who pissed you off on the Sixers was Shake Milton. It was not George Niang. Uh, if I had to, guess. yeah, he came in real <laughs> fast, huh? Right. I mean, and he was like M- Milton was. Firing. So, so hot right off the right off the go. <laughs> I was like, he can't yeah. be serious. I mean, Curry was irritating too, but you know he's been having mm-hmm. a good season, so it's more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Maxi was bad yesterday. I mean, Scal yeah, was all rough. like saying how Doc was all over him. You know, during uh, the yeah, broadcast. I mean, he just looked rough. Like he couldn't get anything going, and he wasn't confident enough. Which is, I mean, it, what you want to do if you're the Celtics, get him out of his rhythm, but. Anyways, we can get into Brown. He's looked, in my opinion, he's looked bad or just struggling since Not he himself. came back from that injury. Yeah. And I'm actually in the middle of writing an article on it. He's just not being as aggressive as you want him to be, right? He's not taking as many shots overall. Fine. But he's taking almost two less shots at the rim. He's shooting 20% worse from the like non-restricted area in the paint. He's not adapting to the new Celtics offensive scheme as well as you'd kind of want him to, in my opinion. And, and I'll talk about more of that as we get into it, too. But I just want to hear your thoughts and, you know, see where you stand with Brown. And maybe it's just a slump, but he, he doesn't look like himself right now. Well, no, I mean, you could see the look on his face last game to where he still looked hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like grimacing, it, yeah. this, that. To me, the problem with him is it's the same as it was with Tatum, right? Tatum. Maybe it's not exactly the same, but Tatum was taking a lot of shots that he might not have, you know, or they might not have been the best shots. Yeah. I'm starting to see that from Brown to where he might – yesterday, at least, he was trying to do too much. I think he took a lot of tough shots early on. Like, he was taking heat checks when he's cold. That that shouldn't happen for either of He's trying to get in a rhythm. He's trying to find a rhythm when it's just not there for him. Coach needs to tell them, and they should know, the best way to get in the rhythm is for them to go to the basket. You can see it go through a couple times. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. I mean, you've got – I mean, you can say what you want about this team being able to shoot, but you do have a bunch of guys on the team that are able to score in in some way or another. Yeah. Uh, Tatum Brown have been able to show that they can score this year. Smart has picked it up as of late, doing a good job of getting to the basket. Schroeder, of course – has shown us he can do it. Richardson, Horford. I mean, all of Grant Williams, all of these guys are capable of putting the ball in the basket, and I trust them to be trying to score from their areas. You don't need guys trying to do too much when you have a team that it's a deep team, whether their record says it or not. I mean, 
this team has depth. They've got good players that they brought in. They need to utilize it instead of just relying. And I think Tatum has realized it. Yeah. You can see the difference in his play. You can see how he deferred in that Toronto game on Sunday when he was really off. Brown Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily have that as much yesterday. Granted, Brown doesn't have the ball in his hand as much as Tatum does to where he's making plays for other guys. But I don't want to see him taking tough shots when he's struggling. See, that's where I tend to disagree. Not in the sense that he has the ball in his hands as much as JT because like he just doesn't. But Brown almost never looks to play make, in my opinion, right? Like you, you look at his film. He's he's driving, like he drives a lot, but he never looks to kick it. He's he's looking to score. He's looking to throw up a mid range shot. He's looking to get to the basket. He's looking to do a little floater. The amount of times, and again, I'm writing an article, so I've gone through some film. The amount of times there's you know Grant Williams on the perimeter, Al Horford, Romeo Langford, these guys on the three point line, wide open, and Brown's just so tunnel vision to the hoop, and it's happening more so now as he tries to find his rhythm which is whatever i mean he's not shooting well since coming back from injuries 39 percent from the field 29 percent from three it's it's rough and he's not he's not taking as many shots which i guess is a good thing like he knows his limits but he, he's got to know when to pass and when to find that rhythm because some of the shots he's missing are open right he's just missing open mid-range shots that he used to make he's missing threes he's not shooting well from three at all but he that that's the next step in jalen brown's progression in my opinion and if jalen brown excuse me, can become a more willing passer, I think the Celtics can take that next step. You say every year, Sam, Jalen Brown always improves at one thing every season. If, he, if that passing can be next, I think that's the thing that can take the Celtics to the next level. Because Jason Tatum's already showing that. Obviously, 10 assists, 10 assists against the Raptors um, put that progression into the box score. But Tatum's been a much willing passer. We've talked about this. Brown needs to make that step now, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it would help. I don't I don't know it's necessarily something that is a must do. You know, See, I feel I disagree. like No. But I'll let you make your point first. It's so too that's too drastic. It's not do or die. He it I I'm not saying it's black or white either. I think there's a gray area there where he doesn't have to you know, be doing what Tatum's doing to where they want Tatum controlling the whole game. It's just different. It's apples to oranges. It's apples to oranges. You know, they want Brown. Or, I mean, I'm sorry. I would like Brown just to make better decisions. There's a difference between making the right decision and playmaking to me. Because I personally think sometimes these guys, I'm not saying all the time, and I think it's a good thing that it happens, but there are plenty of times where I say, why did they pass out of that drive? So sometimes, and Brown is not bad around the rim. You know, it's not yeah, like... Yeah. It's not like Marcus Smart chucking threes. It's not the same thing. I have no problem with him being aggressive when he drives. I think that's a good thing. And I also think because it's probably an adjustment for him, Tatum, some of his struggles around the rim might be related to him maybe not fully concentrating on finishing because he's thinking, should I be kicking the ball out? Who's open? All these See, things. I'm fine with that, though. I'm fine with that. 100. I'm fine. I'd rather that. have him make layups. I th- I know it's important to make the right play, and I agree. And I also think there's this is a growth stage, and eventually that's he's going to gonna get say. over that. Yes, that's what I was just. But I'm say. not necessarily sure you need them both to be doing that. It doesn't hurt, uh, but I'm, I don't no. think it's a it's a must. I'll agree with you in the sense that 
it's definitely more important with Tatum because if he, I, I think obviously most people would agree with this. You see him as the better player. He's going to lead this team. He's going to have the ball in his hands. But when Tatum's off the court, they, they, they run together. But a lot of the times, you know, Udoka wants one of them on the That's court, right? So if Brown's the one on the court, he's going to have the ball in his hands, right? So at that point, maybe you don't want him to be a playmaker. I, I mean, I would like it. But like you said, he's got to at least be able to make the right decision. And a lot of the times with Brown, you see him either take the ball, make a play for himself, option one. Someone makes a play for him, option two, or other people make plays for each other, option three. They need that fourth option of him making plays for someone else. Like, And that's just not as much there right now. He's done it. I mean, he averages, it's not like he averages zero assists. The number's not high at all. He's like three, which uh, obviously maybe you'd want to see a little more. But since he went down with injury, the Celtics, I would argue, changed their offensive scheme a little bit. At the start of the season, it was a lot of give the ball to Jalen and Jason, let everybody else, you know, be there for help. Now it's a lot of we are a team. We will do whatever it takes to score. We don't care. And Tatum, as much as he did go through those growing pains at the start of that, they have adjusted. Obviously, tennis this game versus the Raptors, more willing passer overall. You see him taking less shots when he's not in a rhythm. It's only been a few games, but Brown's not doing that yet. And a big part of that is, you know, it, this isn't just trashing on brown he came back just as the celtics were finding their groove offensively right he came back right after that game against the thunder which would i would say is their best offensive game of the season by a landslide and the lakers won those two that that offensive stretch against the lakers and the thunder showed people what the celtics offense is capable of brown needs to now be a part of the offense instead of being jalen brown on offense if that makes sense obviously you want him playing like he does but he needs to integrate into the offensive scheme that Udoka has put in place. And Tatum has done that. And obviously last night, I mean, 26 career high, 16 rebounds, shot efficiently, shot well from three. That's the sort of game you want to see from Tatum. He didn't notch the assist, but it's because he didn't have to that night. You need Brown to find that balance, right? Because Tatum, I think, is starting to. Once Brown does, I think the offense will get flowing a little bit better. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that. I think this offense has become more free-flowing to where they're not set on running through one guy, which is a problem yeah. that they've had in the past, right? Yes. I mean, there are times where you do need to go through the guy, but it's it's really, um, what the hell is the word for that? Judgment call, where yes, you know if, yes. if the guy's hot, that's who you go through. I don't think it should be you wake up in the morning and say, we're going to play through this guy today. I think it's whoever's got it and you ride him. So yeah, yeah, I agree. And I I think there is some growth to be done in terms of him fitting with the rest of these guys that have had more time playing in this system too. I mean, you have to think he's not getting the reps in game that everyone else has gotten because he was out not only with the hamstring, but with COVID as well. It'll take them time to reacclimate to this new offense, and that's what I was saying. Like they, they, ch- I would argue, change the way they play. I agree. And now they have I agree. to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. There's a big difference. Um, and, yeah, and Tatum said after the game about Jalen Brown, like in his struggles, I'm gonna be there for him, like he's been there for me. When we get down, sometimes we're just there for each other. I tell him he's gonna be the best version of Jalen Brown, and he's gonna be. It sounds like they're friends to me. 
<laughs> uh, I don't I know don't. where that came from to where people think they don't like each other. I don't think I've ever seen evidence of that. I think it's stupid. But <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, I'm happy that Tatum has figured out how to play. And I don't mean how to score. I mean how to play. Yes. He's making the right decisions regardless. Like we talked about the Toronto game. He had a really rough shooting night. Two but he was able to make the right play. He was still crashing the glass. He was doing yep. all these things right that weren't scoring. And that shows you how much he's grown since being a rookie or two years ago. Whenever you want to start it, the 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 benchmark to where you're counting, I mean, you'll, you're still going to see that. He's doing all yeah. these other thing that, things now. And I think that's what you're saying about Brown to where, okay, it's time for him to start learning that. Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah. And b- before we move on, I also did want to bring this up. Uh, Tatum said last night, I saw a report the other day that said I was a selfish player. That seems pretty unselfish to me. There's 82 games. Sometimes you need to play off the ball, too. And this was in reference to, you know, Schroeder taking the final shot, Tatum not getting a look there. I just thought it was funny to see Tatum go at, you know, I'm pretty sure it was the Tim Bon Temps report from Eastern Conference coach saying Tatum needs to score 39 and win. He can't score 15 and win. Tatum obviously reads the news and was not, was not too happy about that one. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw that quote from him after the game, but I, I just thought it was entertaining at the very least. No, I, I, I heard that. See, I think that's him saying he's pissed. He didn't take the shot a little bit, maybe a little bit. Really? Well, yeah, like he's like, hey, look how unselfish I was as I let this guy miss the shot. <laughs> you know, I, guess. I don't think it's wrong that he said that. And I also think the articles are incorrect. I don't see that from him, at least right now. I don't. I think he's turned a corner to where he's playing different. I mean, we've been talking about the whole show, but he really looks like kind of a different guy out there. Like his mindset's different. He was earlier in the year letting it affect him when he wasn't shooting well. And now he's just kind of trying to control what he can control out there. Some days it's not going to fall for you. Fine. That doesn't mean you have to, you know, give up or make the wrong play or force things. I'm, I'm seeing a lot less forced things from Tatum. There was a couple from last night, including the shot he made within two minutes there. He made yeah. like a mid-range over someone when Horford yeah, was yeah. wide open to his left. And I was irate when he shot the ball. At least it went in. <laughs> yes. That's all you can say at that point. But it, speaking of that last moment of the – oh, sorry. I'm, I keep forgetting things that I want to say. Uh, did you see Brad Stevens' quote on that same article about Jason Tatum? I don't know if you got a chance to see this. Oh, I listened to it. I always listen to the boys in the morning, Jack. Come on. <laughs> Touch let, me, let me read it the, out. The greatest. He said – well, one thing he said is he was like, I always kind of go by the rule as if, you know, you can't attribute it to me. Or if, you know, yeah. I'm going to have to be anonymous, yeah, I'll, then you I'll read say the quote it. for you. All right. Well. Here's the full quote from Brad Stevens. Uh, he was asked about um, the anonymous quote that Tatum doesn't care about winning. Uh, Brad Stevens, if you can't put your name on it, don't say it. There's no way that assistant coach would put his name on that quote because, first of all, he's never been around Jason. And secondly, Jason would kill him every time he played him for the rest of his career. That's the way those guys in this league are wired. I take it with such a grain of salt. To me, that line was a joke because I'm around him every day. You look at him, he plays, he's available, he competes. He's got a lot on his plate. 
He has done a lot more in his first five years in the league than most of the league, right? Totally, totally wrong in that guy's assessment. I thought that quote was absolutely ridiculous, to be honest. I don't ever react to that stuff. And I actually sent the note to one of my people I work with saying, this is idiotic. Just to be around this guy every day, that guy loves to win. He's sitting there with his feet in the ice bucket after every game that we lose, and he looks uh, despondent. This guy's competitive. I know that for a fact. I'm glad he's on our team. There's the full quote for you guys. I mean, you I saw it all over Twitter. You rarely see Brad get that pissed off at a quote, but yeah, he was clearly, not yeah, clearly, clearly disagrees uh, with the sentiment on Tatum. I mean, wh- wh- what do you think about that? I-, I like Brad getting fired up, but I think he makes a really excellent point. You know, us as I guess we can call ourselves members of the media, like you're writing all the time. I write on a news website. I write selling stories. Sometimes we do the podcast. We do pregame. We're media members. <laughs> even if we're Z-list. But, <laughs> you know, we're always trying to, for example, that dumbass narrative where, uh, you know, do they like each other? Did Brown and Tatum get along? The people that are making the decisions within the, within the organization are the ones that see everything. So you have to trust that they're going to make the right call. Brad has coached these guys for their whole careers up until this year. He's obviously been with the team in some capacity now. Um, you know, taking the front office role. But he knows. He he knows what he has there. It's very difficult for us. And Mike Gorman talks about it when he's on that same show, Toucher and Rich in the mornings. He makes the weekly appearance as well. That with COVID, he doesn't even get to talk to these guys and get to know them and, you know, things like that. So how do these guys that aren't involved with the team know? Yeah. They don't. They They're... They just see what they, they see on TV or in film and what people are saying, and they run with it. Yeah, I agree. I, I just thought it was an entertaining quote from Brad, and you love to see it. But finally, the point I've been trying to get to uh, before I keep finding quotes to talk about, um, Tatum let Schroeder take the shot at the end of regulation there. Schroeder looked bad, and he has looked bad for the last couple games, and it's starting to concern me. Because he's not initiating the offense like he was for that stretch. And it just looks like he's back to, I need to get my shots up. In my opinion. That's what I've seen the last couple of games at least. But I'd like to know your thoughts as well. Who's this? I'm sorry. I cut out. Dennis Schroeder. I'm talking about Schroeder here. Okay. He, he just looks like he's trying to get his shots up now. He doesn't look like he's trying to initiate offense anymore. It's just... It looks just to be, again, this is not... I'm not trying to shit on a guy. But right now, from what I'm seeing on the court, it looks like, you know... It's all about me, if that makes sense. I can see that. The the difference is it's not falling. He yeah, he which is, is the problem. He's not as efficient, so you notice it more, right? I think I think he's definitely taken a step back. He did deal with the ankle injury. There, there's like other elements to this, you know, especially with a leg injury when he relies on his speed to get past guys, get to the hoop. He had some big shots in, in plays in that game yesterday. I mean, obviously the last possession wasn't ideal. Looks- he just looks less willing to pass, and that's the issue for me, the willingness. It's not the, well, the efficiency. It's just the willingness to do it. I know. And the thing with that is he's coming off the bench now. His limits, his minutes are more limited. Mm-hmm. And you might be right. Maybe he's trying to get his shots up in his limited time. But I think in the grand scheme of things, he has less time to play freely now. He, he kind of has okay. to try and fit into a role to where they're not asking him to be a playmaker off the bench either. You know, that's not necessarily yeah. his role. When he's in the starting lineup, he was still really required to score, especially with Brown out. But
but he was starting at point guard along with Smart, who was also trying to play that kind of role. But now, especially off the bench, off the bench, you very rarely see people come in that are just playmakers. Usually off the bench, you're putting in spark plug guys. They're going to get yep. you offense. And that's a role they're kind of asking him to fill. So it's, a, I think it's just a different role, which is weird because he played so okay. well in the other role. Yeah, and like I said, you as much as Jalen Brown has to adjust to playing within this offense, other guys have to adjust to Jalen Brown being back in the offense. So you can make that argument as well that Schroeder is now instead of the sec because he was the second fiddle. And when Tatum was off, he was the number one guy on this team for like two weeks there, which is weird, but it, it was true. And now he's back to being the third guy and fourth guy if Smart's on. So um, especially in terms of handling the ball. So he, he's got to make the adjustment just as much, but. Um, that that's the last thing I had to talk about on the Sixers game at the very least. I want to talk about uh, the upcoming schedule a little bit, as well as some general NBA things at the end of the show a little bit. But is there anything else you want to talk about in in regard to the Sixers game before we move on? I'm trying to think. I mean, Tatum's rebounding, but that's that's been something we've been mentioning. So shout out to us, I guess. <laughs> I I don't really know. I just I'm pleased with the effort they gave. It was really great to have Rob Williams back. You know, he's. Yes. Yes. Huge for their effort. and They play significantly better when he's playing. But, I mean, he hustles. He's athletic. He's he's just a lot of fun, and he adds a lot of positives to your team energy-wise. And you need that. And I think it contributed to the win yesterday big time. You know, your defense. You've heard these guys speak out about how, you know, Rob's really great out there. He's always communicating. And then you see them hold Philly to 87 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At full strength, which at full strength, that team has been very good. They have been shout out to the Celtics. They've been playing great defense all season. It it, last year, everyone is complaining that they're not a defensive minded team anymore. Well, here you go. Here's the defense again. Merry Christmas. It's a a lot more fun to watch this way. It is (laughs) is. frustrating because there are games like last night that you could be winning or winning by more. And you don't because the offense is screwy. Mm -hmm which I don't really think is anybody's fault in particular. Like, I don't think it's Ime Yudoka's fault. I just think it's and these guys, I don't think I had, one, aren't I'll, playing I'll up to their here. level, and two, you know, might not be making the right plays all the time. On the Ime Yudoka thing, I don't know if I said this on here before. I think I definitely said it on pregame. People complaining about Ime Yudoka are... Just I I don't get it. I I'm not gonna say anything ridiculous like I did on the pregame that one time, but I I don't understand how you can look at this team and blame Ime Udoka. I understand there's things he needs to adjust to. He's not perfect, right? But to say that the Celtics need to fire him after 20 games, he's a rookie head coach. Absolutely outlandish. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it's crazy. He came in expecting a certain group of players, and now that has had them almost, seven times. Yeah. Almost the entire team is shooting career lows from the three-point line, and his entire offensive focus at the start of the year, you remember, he was taking like 43s a game. And I will say, as much as, you know, Sam, you might not agree with that, if the Celtics shot the way they normally had been for their entire careers, that offense probably would have looked a lot better. No, it now would look better. Exactly. I just think you're going now to Now he be, has to adjust. You're, you're going to be a tougher team to crack if you're taking less threes. Because I don't yes. care how good you are. Threes are a streaky, it's a streaky game. Some days you're hot, some days you're not, unless you're Steph Curry. And even we saw him against Phoenix really shoot poorly from three. It happens to everybody. But if, you know, say you're you're a guy that consistently goes to the basket, like a Giannis, right? Mm -hmm. You can always rely on him 
to be consistent that way because of the game he's playing. If you're shooting threes and relying on threes, you're going to lose some games that you shouldn't lose. Mm-hmm. Regardless. If you're being more careful selecting shots, you're going to play better. And to yeah. Ime Udoka's credit, they're taking 43s a game. Yesterday they took 29. And recently it's been closer to 30. Significantly closer to 30. It's been better. My, my, regardless, my point was just that he came into the year expecting a certain group of guys. Everyone's shooting career, career lows from three, so he needs time to adjust. So get off his back. I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, Steph Curry, by the way, I don't know if you saw this. He shoots better when contested this season than when wide open. Yeah, I think uh, that, there's uh, that's some science ridiculous. to that, to be honest. I mean, that that's a very rare statistic, though. I mean, you it like... It, that's ridiculous. He shoots like 57% when contested. That's Curry. Absurd. Um, I heard like when he trains now, like he, it's counted as a miss. If he even hits the, the rim. That's wild. Curry, so the, that guy's brain. muscle memory is so down to where, you know, playing, at least when I play basketball, it's probably different for professionals. I would imagine. We are, yeah, I would hope so. Not, they're not the quite, <laughs> quite the specimen I am, but when, you know, I shoot and I'm contested. There's less thought that goes into it. It's just, this is your body just kind of, your subconscious takes over. So when he's doing that, he has nothing to think about. Yeah. But I understand the sentiment and I agree with you to some degree, but to shoot, I, I but they're NBA players. So it's different. You know, the wide open threes are wide open threes. Yeah, exactly. Plus, the people defending him are probably, you know, a lot, a uh, lot more talented than some of the guys defending us in our in our pickup oh, games I, nowadays. I don't know about that. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I, I'm curious now. I'm gonna go look at Stephen Curry's uh, statistics uh, when guarded. Let's see, closest defender. Uh, very tight shots, three point field goals. Uh, he doesn't take a ton of those. What about just tight contested? Let's see here. He takes, if the thing loads, yeah, he shoots 51% when a defender is within two to four feet of him. That yeah. is absolutely absurd. He uh, just, he you, likes company. He gets lonely. I'll, I'll give you, uh, you know, some background on that. There are, let's see, let's see how many players take at least one of those shots a game. All right, let's see, three-point well, attempts. Tatum's one of them. He is, and he doesn't shoot well. (laughs) I'll tell you that. At least one a game. There are, let's see, where's the rows? I can't see exactly how many people. Uh, Probably around 50, I would say, on this sheet that take that. Most of them shoot below 30%. Like a large majority. Like Tatum shoots, I'll look at Tatum for reference. Tatum shoots 27%. Kevin Durant shoots 30%. I mean, Joe Harris shoots 47%, but then Steph Curry's at the top. Steph Curry is ridiculous is the point I'm trying to make, and I've gone too deep into the stats at this point, but I was interested, so there you have it. Um, I want to talk about the Celtics' next couple games. We don't have to go down the list. We know how tough the December is. Uh, If you want to hear us break down the schedule, we went over it. We did it last time. I want to talk about Utah and Portland, uh, just their next two games, because they have a back-to-back coming up. Um, tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this, you know, the day after recording it. And then the day after that, they have Portland. Utah, obviously, is one of the better teams in the league. Portland has had their struggles, but they're also starting to turn it around. What are you looking for 
Is there anything you're looking for in particular against these two teams, or is it just a matter of keeping up wins? Uh, the same defensive. Okay, well, thank you, but I'm talking about on the court. You know what I'm saying? Well, I guess we'll start with Utah because that's tomorrow's game on Friday. Um, Utah is a team that was really hot to start the year. What they start something and one, like they were like seven, eight, and one. Now they're fourteen and seven, so yeah. they have cooled off significantly. I mean, it doesn't mean they're not a good team. Yeah, but. You know, you're going to have to take care of Donovan Mitchell. He's a quality player. It's going to be tougher for you to use Rob Williams, I think, with Gobert in there. And you might even benefit with Williams out of the game, making him, Gobert, come out of the paint and have to play Horford. If you play Rob Williams, he can just camp that paint. So it's going to be harder on you. Not saying you shouldn't play Rob Williams, but, you know, going into the game, that's something as a viewer you should think about. If you're wondering, oh, why is Rob Williams not out there? That might be why. I think double bigs um, would work really well against Utah, actually. Just the, I'm not the saying it's not going to work. I'm just saying there are going to be stretches where he's out of the game, and you could see to close the game, it might not happen. I'm just thinking about if they run, let's say, Conley, Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, Bogdanovich, Gobert, because that's been their starting lineup. What's Bogdanovich going to do against Rob or Horford in the paint, right? Especially if you're going to call for help for. Yeah, Rudy yeah, Gobert. and they're they're gonna camp Rudy in the paint and funnel things to him, but at that point you got talented creators on the outside. You've got players that can shoot from there. You know, got Grant Williams if you want to sub him in even on the perimeter. And then offensively, I've heard uh, Jazz have had some issues this season. I guess you could say uh, with their offense just stalling late in the game. They take too many stupid contested threes. Oh. Uh, Gobert commented on it. It was maybe a subtle subtweet at Donovan Mitchell. You know, sounds familiar, right? Uh, contested threes at the end of games, but uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, well, no, it sounds off. like you're going to have a chess match on Friday night. You know, they're both going to get to the fourth <laughs> court and then try and lose. Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe that is what we'll see. In all seriousness, I think one thing if you're looking to beat Utah, you have to do is put a stop to those threes and make them contested because. That's a team that'll kill you from three. We saw it a lot last year. I think in both games they played Utah, they got killed. And one thing about this Celtic defense, and maybe they do it strategically and they pick their spots when they do it, but I feel like there are a lot of wide open looks the Celtics give up from three. And for whatever reason, teams have not been hitting them. That's a strategy. That's a realistic that's, – that's, that's what the Bucks do. They say, shoot your threes, you're not getting shots at the rim. That That's our defense. That's the defense, yeah. and, that's, and that's fine. Maybe that's what the C's are doing. So, yeah. But against Utah, you're going to have to be careful because you don't want a bunch of those guys getting hot. What game was it this year that they got killed like by these guys that just heated up? Oh, my God. What game was it? Was um, it Chicago? Like it was, no, no, it wasn't Chicago. Was it a loss? Did they lose? No, they lost. I'm trying to think of who it was. I can read. I'll read their losses for you. Uh, they've lost to the Knicks, the Raptors, the Wizards, the Wizards, the Mavericks, the Cavaliers. It might be the Cavs game. Was it the Cavs game? Atlanta. Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta was yeah. the game because they were focusing so hard on Trey Young and they were leaving these other guys open. And sure, Herter, they stopped Trey Young. Reddish, Bogdanovich, Herter, yep. Bogdanovich, Reddish, all went off and yep. like cashed out on threes. So you have to approach that just as cautiously. You know, you can't mm-hmm. let – it's going to be more frustrating if you stop Donovan Mitchell and then Bogdanovich and Ingles kill you. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, all right, give me a break. Fun fact, though, Sam, maybe this will make you feel a little better. 
I'm fairly certain the Jazz are a bottom 10 three-point shooting team this year. So there's a little fun fact. Which is you. so strange. But they still have the Very weird. team. No, I, I, and it, just, and just it makes it all the more likely that they'll They are still the number one offense, on though. They're still the number one offense, though, which is even more weird. But um, funny you bring up the Hawks game because the reason I want to talk about Portland is it's another game like the Hawks game where you yes. have a team who's terrible on defense, but an elite offensive team like the Blazers and the Hawks taking on the Celtics, who are the opposite. They're a great defensive team, but they can't do anything and on offense. And another team that can't play away from home, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden they're really good at home. And unfortunately, yep. you're playing them at home. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I don't know. I, Lillard's out of that game. He's not playing. Mm-hmm. So that that game, you have no excuse. I don't care how good they've been at home. It does not matter to me. They don't have their best player. Even though McCollum's been probably better than Lillard has this year. But regardless, it, if Lillard's not on the floor, it makes it harder for McCollum. It's just how it works. Um, okay. Yep. You, you should not lose that game. If you lose to Utah, it is what it is. It's acceptable. I still think they should win that game. I, I don't know. I go in with high expectations every game. Very few games do I think they should lose. I think they should have a fighting chance in most games. Utah is a team that's cooled off. I think they should be able to at least compete. Portland, that's a team that hasn't really been good. And they're without Lillard. You should beat them. You you should. The Celtics, realistically, on this road trip, you've got those two games, which I think at least one of them should be a win. The other one's absolutely winnable. Then you've got the Lakers, who are going to be without LeBron, and that team's bad regardless. That's one you should win. Then you play the Clippers, who I also think are bad, or at least average. You know, they're not very good. They're not a team that you should be dropping a game to or not competing with. So that's four games I think they should win. Now, then they go and they play, I think they have back-to-back Golden State Phoenix. So that's no fun. (laughs) They do, in fact, have that, yes. Yeah. I mean, you you should be able to have success on this road trip. It should not be you get slapped around out west. Is it tough to travel? Sure. These are games, it's so funny, you know, I just feel like the Celtics are just going to get up for this month. I hope so. You know, everyone's talking about how hard the schedule is and, you know, but the Celtics love these kind of games where it's supposed to be hard. Hmm. You should be more scared. I should have been more scared to start the season when I was saying they were going to be 8-0 and they're playing all these bum teams. True. I should have known that. You fooled yourself, Sam. I still contend they should have won all those (laughs) games, but... I should have known better. Anyways, uh, that's all I have for today. Celtics are only, let's see, two games out of the two seed right now, which is crazy to think. Um, the Eastern Conference, though, at this point is ridiculously competitive. Uh, the 11 seed is three games out of the two seed. Anybody can do anything at this point in the season. Um, one of these top 11 teams who all deserve to be playing teams at the very least is going to miss the play-in, uh, which is, I mean, the, it, there's more parity in the East than there has been in a long time and outside of the top two teams in the West, the East I think is miles ahead of the West this year. Uh, it's very interesting to see that flip, uh, flip a switch like that. But is there anything else you wanted to say before we get out of here? No, no, I think they, that, that's a good win on against Philly. I don't think they played well. They I don't think they showed out and like really said, wow, Offensive. like it wasn't, it wasn't the Lakers game. Yeah. You know, the Lakers game yeah. was one of them where you were like, okay, they really, really put it together. But I mean, it was a good win especially considering you didn't play well. You didn't play well, and you won. Yeah, you take those. You take those. Uh, Anyways, that's going to be it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at JackSimoneNBA. Check out BannertownUSA.com. And, yeah, go ahead, Sam.
yeah, thank you very much for listening or watching. If you're watching, uh, be sure to subscribe, like, and share on YouTube. If you're listening, give us a follow or subscribe if they do that on whatever app you're listening to us on. Um, we appreciate it. You know, Jack and I have a lot of fun doing these. We're probably close to 10,000 listens, plays, whatever you want to call it. Creeping up. Creeping yes, up we're on creeping it. up. Um, you can follow Jack at Jack Simone NBA. You can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. That's our show for today. Bye.